Welcome to the Thoughtful Millennial, podcast where we reflect on our rapidly evolving attitudes on everything from mental health to how to become a more sustainable human. Hey, Halima, how are you? Hey, John. I'm doing all right. I am feeling pretty strong. Reason for that is because I uh, have taken up karate. Oh, yes. Watch out. I am a strong white belt, which is the lowest of all belts. But I no. but in all seriousness, I'm I'm loving it. So I'm feeling kind of physically much stronger than than I have been after just putting on, uh, I would say, putting on lockdown weight uh, from (laughs) comfort eating and not going to going into the office. Um, Yeah, that's me. What about you? How how is it all going? All good here. Um, I have to make a trip to Peru for some paperwork <gasps> later on this month. Come on. That's amazing. <laughs> I would have never is. been. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're actually like traveling. That's a foreign concept to me. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is good. But, um, you know, the situation is not that great. So I yeah. just rather stay safe in the hotel for the whole week because I cannot stay there for a week. But yeah, we will see. <laughs> How long will how long will it actually take you to get there though? Uh, it just takes three hours by plane, so okay, not yeah, bad. It's not that much. Yeah. All right, but travel safe. Yeah, that's the closest capital city to my city, so it's still really that's far. That's nuts, in, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy in European terms. I think, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I'm like thirty five minute drive from London. This is. Just, oh, I just love how. I don't know. I still find it hard to visualize you up in the mountains of Bolivia, you know, taking like a, a, a sky lift to get to town. I just, but I love that. I love that we're friends and, and our normals are so different. So very cool. You're far more interesting. <laughs> no. Okay. That's uh, just about perspective, you know, because in the end I also find trains, trains amusing because yeah, we don't have them here. Um, so. <laughs> to me <laughs> you don't have I lived on trains to get to university for years I'm so sick of train like I've, I've promised never to get on a train for the rest of my life because that's how much I've been on trains so the fact you yeah don't have them in Bolivia is just <laughs> like a different world but yeah you know it's always about perspective but yeah Let's go into the topic of this week that is about the importance of social media. I think that's a really, really heavy topic, right? So heavy. I mean, where do we even begin? Where do we even begin? Okay, I've got a question for you. What social media accounts do you have? Ooh, oh, wow. Okay, I'm a software developer, right? So I have a lot of them. I would go for Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, um, in Instagram, I actually have like many that are for business. So, oh my God, um, <laughs> I have probably, I, okay, this is the thing. I don't spend too much time on social media though. I mean, mm-hmm. I do have th- those accounts, but I really control my time to use them. Okay. So probably that would be different. And in your case, what social media accounts do you have? I, if in an ideal world, I would have zero, but I would say in order of uh, use, LinkedIn, WhatsApp. I mean, yeah, I, I would. I was going to say Telegram, but I would not say Telegram is a. Mm, I don't know social media channel. Um. So yeah, LinkedIn, WhatsApp. I don't have Facebook. I don't have Instagram. I don't have Twitter. 
I can't. Oh, I do not have TikTok. I make a point of not having TikTok. As you know, I'm like so anti TikTok. I'm trying to uh, advocate for people not to be on that for personal reasons. So that's, yeah, two. And I'm trying to get rid of WhatsApp. Oh, okay. Because oh, wow. Facebook owns them. So there's no point in me not having Facebook and then having WhatsApp. So yeah. I'll let you know. The, the day you need to know that you can't get in touch with me from WhatsApp, um, we'll, we'll be on Telegram possibly. Oh, yeah. Or, you know, in the end, we can just use mail, right? <laughs> Email. Yeah, or, you know, pigeons. <laughs> okay, that's too far. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I think it's, this leads me to a question. Like, why do you think that social media is bad? <sighs> okay. <laughs> I think social media was not terrible when I was a young 12-year-old in 2015-ish. Um, that's when I got into something like Bebo, I think it was, or I made a Facebook account. Um, and it wasn't terrible then because I remember, um, I don't think I had a smartphone. Uh, well, anyway, like we weren't really allowed on our phones very much if we even had smartphones in the first place. Or at that time, unlimited data was not a thing, right? So you you really had limited use on your phones. Um, there was only one computer in the household, like we didn't have laptops. So the infrastructure was not conducive to us being on social media all the time. Plus, the normal way of socializing was to go to school every day and see your friends and socialize that way. And outside of school, it was very much family time. So I don't think social media is terrible 10 years ago. I, I believe social media is terrible now because um, I've read so many articles and watched so many documentaries. And I think the one that concerned me the most was around how plastic surgeons or cosmetic surgery are now getting requests from people, probably mostly female, I think was, was quoted in the article, to make themselves look more like the way they look in social media filters that are applied to their face, right? And this article was several years ago. It was, it must have been 2017 I read this. And that trend has only increased because I was watching a documentary on TikTok usage and they were talking about the, the the same thing, or maybe it was Instagram usage, and they were talking about the same thing, how people want to look more like they look in their filters. Um, Samsung has something called a beauty filter mode. So it's a permanent filter they apply to their phones so that when you take a photograph, you you don't need to apply a filter. You already look the way you want to, want to look. Um, so from a self-image point of view, from a cyberbullying point of view, which wasn't even a thing when I was a young person using social media, I think overall it's become the the newest form of addiction. I think it's all around destructive for people who are naive around the risks of digital or social media usage. And I do not just mean young people. I mean my parents who are not digital natives and who are so at risk of just terrible things happening on social media to them, even from identity theft, that I think the 
the more we can kind of surround us, or well, the more we can stay away from it and also be educated around the usage of it when we do need to use it, which should be a minimum, um, the, the better it is for us. So that's my pretty extreme view on social media. Now, as somebody who has a few more social media accounts, but also I think we, we share kind of similar principles in this, what's your view and how do you consciously use social media? And also, if you're willing to share, like when have you had to catch yourself or check yourself, maybe when you've developed some bad habits with social media? Mm -hmm. So, you know, thank you for your explanation. I think it's really a good way to look at it because, yeah, you're right. The infrastructure was totally different years ago. And we had different habits. We didn't, we weren't into, like, we didn't have a pandemic outside. So situation right. was totally different. Um, I also believe that is really addictive because I went through that. As a software engineer, you know, I'm most of the time in front of my computer. So for me, it was really easy to get into Facebook and then, you know, just code something, take some rest, but then go straight to Facebook to check the statuses of my friends. Um, but the thing there, in my opinion, is that and it's similar to what you said. How much are we sure that we are or that we have the self-control to stop ourselves when we are using it too much? It's, I think it's, it's like a question you can ask to a person that uh, has alcohol problems. Of course, it's a different level. It's like a total different implications. But then it's really hard to answer that question if you don't really know like if you don't have a measure or a way to say that I'm not using it too much, right? So I think that when people are not aware of the problems that it can bring, uh, because it reduces also your attention span and so on, it's really easy to stay on it much more of the time that you actually should. And I say should because there are, there are like a lot of consequences. Uh, uh, even in your vision, right? <laughs> if you spend um, a lot of time, a lot of time in front of your screens, you will actually blink less. So that is a big problem because you know uh, your eyes get drier, and you know a lot of things that can happen because of that. But then, when people are not really conscious about even getting their data stolen, or as you said, identity thief then how do you know that it's like, how do you know what you don't know? Right. Yeah. And there, I think there is not enough information for people to know how, what are the risks there? And of course th there can have like social media has its own benefits, but then I think we should be aware of what it brings to us in terms of convenience and so on, but also what it takes away from us. This is going to be one of our least structured conversations because we can go into so many different elements of it. But fundamentally, social media, at least initially, was designed to addict people. So a good example of that is how Instagram or your Facebook newsfeed, it, as you scroll down, it has an endless, you know, it just continues updating, updating, updating. And um, that is because the longer you are on a social media channel, the more adverts they can show you, which means the more money they can get. So it's literally designed to keep people on. Now, what they're doing is they're not saying, 
oh, please stay on so we make more money and people are staying on out of the goodness of their hearts. No, no, no. They're using psychological kind of cues or triggers to keep you on there. So, you know, like the, um, I remember this being a topic, I was just Googling it to see if I could, I could find it, but I actually can't. But I remember somebody saying, when you see a notification, you know, that red bubble, it's the same as you getting a, a high from a drug. Like it's been linked to addiction to hard drugs. Um, and I don't know, I need to maybe do a fact check on that because I can't find it now. But I definitely remember scientists looking at the overuse of social media as a psychological addiction that had physical responses in the sense that if you weren't using it, you would have withdrawal symptoms. So um, what Facebook, I believe, did in response to that let me fact check this at the end of the podcast and then we can think about uh, putting it in. But Facebook actually had to change the way they measured success on uh, as their customer proposition. And so they consciously tried to design Facebook so that all of their users were using it for less amounts of time. And they were then reporting that to, to shareholders. So I think, long story short, um, Yes, you need to be educated around the risks of social media. However, if something is designed to cause a physical reaction in you, it doesn't really matter how aware of it you are. Your body might have a natural uh, reaction to it that, that you cannot control, even if you're, you're fully aware of something. Or maybe you, yeah, you don't give it the, the seriousness um, it requires because your body's getting you know little perks um, from it. So in that sense, what needs to happen is really like a third party needs to take some action, right? So one of the things I would say in uh, that, that's recently been done in the EU is we've applied sugar taxes to fizzy drinks. So now if you buy a fizzy drink, you have to pay extra money for it. And that's why a lot of uh, fizzy drink producers are doing zero sugar cans. Like the same, apply the same thing to social media. It's being designed to get people to use it more and more. So actually there needs to be some sort of mm, the opposite of incentive. <laughs> there needs to be some sort of uh, disincentive to make sure that people are using it um, kind of in a, in a healthy, responsible way. And there are loads of approaches to that. Legislation is one, but an article I or an initiative I recently read about, which I would definitely recommend checking out, by the way, if you have, you know, young people in, in your uh, family, um, was Unilever re recently released a white paper called The Selfie Talk. And this is um, a paper that is targeted at adults to give them like the, the conversational cues as to what what conversation to have with their young children or young, mm -hmm. young adults in their household. Um, it is such a powerful, like the way they advertised it was so powerful. They showed a, a beautiful woman, right? She looked like a Victoria's Secrets model. I mean, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, but that's the stereotypical view of beauty. And then what they did is during this, this advert to promote the selfie talk, they reversed the point, you know, everything she did to get her to look like that. And what they did is they took off the makeup. 
they reduced the filters in terms of reducing her eye size, reducing her lip size because they'd been inflated, um, changing her skin. And they realized this, what looked like this supermodel was actually a teenage girl showing herself to be a, a sexy adult woman. And it was, it almost brought me to the point of tears because that's something that's going under the radar and is not necessarily illegal, right? I could make my, I could catfish today if I wanted to. There's nothing really stopping me. So how do we kind of have those how do we have those conversations in households to have to to prevent that? How do we have like government legislation to try and control or at least get visibility of that? And how do we get the social media people to take accountability themselves in terms of not making profit out of these addictive uses of their their platforms? You know, I think those are really good points, and they are really valid because it's simply. It has a lot of implications when you get into the social media world. You can do a lot of things. You can, you know, even just follow people that you don't care about and know about their lives. And it's so addictive because you know that they are doing great or you want to become like them. You admire them. And, you know, there, there are a lot of things that can happen there. But I think that it, it's about everything, right? We, we should just, as you said, talk more about it to know what the consequences can be or how we can reduce those things, like the the usage, the time that we spend on social media. But I also believe that it's about a personal decision that we take probably at an early age, right? Because Mm -hmm. we we read these terms and conditions that every picture that we upload to social media is not ours anymore. And it's mm. part of the contract. It's part of the thing that you, you know, check when you create your account. Then it's also about being ourselves conscious about that. But then we are allowing a child, probably, you know, in this time, most of the time, a child who has who is not even to take a decision to know what they want to do in their lives, uh, in a professional career or in the future, to know to take this personal decision of knowing, yeah, I accept that my pictures will belong to Facebook anymore, like from now on. And I don't right. think that that's, that's good, right? <laughs> I think no, that no. We, we have to, like, I mean, I'm not a father, but as a parent, I think I would be really careful about it when the time comes. Uh, because I know that it's like th- that specific decision, that specific day has a lot of consequences in the long term. So yeah. not only about being like social media being addictive, but also social media being used as a way of advertisement or, yeah, uh, I don't know, but also has good things, right? Like, let's not just say that it's awful in general. Uh, I think you also mentioned a bit about how it can be beneficial for companies, for example, or how, uh, I know, tell me more about it. Why? Okay. We yeah. already talked about how bad it can be, right? I know, uh, which I could, by the way, I could talk about for much longer, right? But then I think you're right to call it out because I do have some social media accounts. So now let's go into the bits where we contradict ourselves and yes. show you the benefits of it. So um, uh, let's go there's there's two things one is that i'm a big linkedin user and i try and use that as a 
completely professional forum to build my personal brand. I felt found it very useful in terms of um, looking for jobs and connecting people that can can get me into the the jobs I or industries I'd like to go in. Um, so I I think we can leave that there. The thing I've struggled with recently is not having Facebook and Instagram. Um, the I never felt that before. Before I surrounded myself, generally like my friends, they're pretty anti-social media as well. So we'd stay in touch with each other through Telegram or text. Um, oh, I remember sending them letters as well, proper kind of like, let's just go back to, to how things were. Um, recently though, I moved into this new neighborhood and my neighbor said, oh, you know, if you don't know the area, we have a Facebook page. And I was like, oh, I don't have Facebook. And he goes, yeah, we have like if anybody, you know, is a, a, a gardener or if anybody is um, out for the week or if anybody wants to do somebody a favor, we post it all on there. And I thought, oh, that would be really useful. But I don't have Facebook. And there was there was no other forum. And then I remember walking around the park close by and there was a garden allotment. And I'm not sure if you have these in Bolivia, but they're, just, they're basically communal gardens that the community owns and you can do whatever you want there. Generally, people grow flowers or vegetables or fruit. Um, and yeah, it's communal use. I've always wanted to, to uh, do that. So I walked past and it said, to get in touch, here's our Facebook page. And I was like, oh, Again, I'm really going to struggle to, you know, nothing else, no phone number, just the Facebook page. And I realized there is like a movement of people, which is generally like um, around here, we have young parents, I would say. So young families who find the most effective way of staying in touch and potentially schools also share information this way is through social media. And the social media account of choice is either Facebook or Instagram. And as a non-user, I have honestly struggled so much with interacting or engaging with my community that I have resorted to the worst. I don't even want to say it because you're going to be like, it's somebody who is so anti-social media. You are the biggest hypocrite. But I am a hypocrite, John. <laughs> and I'll tell you what I've done. Well, After telling my mum... A, plus, a 50 plus Asian woman to get rid of her Facebook. She didn't. And now I use her Facebook account to contact all of these people because it's so useful and there's no other way I can get in touch with them. Like what happened to the days where we would just knock on our neighbor's doors and be like, do you want your, your garden, you know, mode? I'm doing my own. I don't mind. No, it's all gone. So, um, I've used, I'm using her Facebook and I'm using her Instagram as a, as a really useful tool to get in touch with my local community. And I'm ashamed. <laughs> but you shouldn't, you know, I think you shouldn't because then you're using it for a reason, right? You, you know that it's, there are like some features there that are useful for you and you want to use them because it really brings some benefit to you. So then it's about, I think, asking ourselves how we can use it in our advantage. Because in the end, technology was created for that. It's not supposed to take our time away 
from us and, you know, just spend endless hours scrolling into a feed that, you know, things that we don't really care about, right? Instead, you are not saying that you're going to do that. You, You are saying that you want to use it to get in contact with more people, which is not like, I think it was the main idea of Facebook at first. But then yeah. it's also about our human nature of getting, like, becoming fans of things that we, you know, we care about, Quite kind wise, of, yeah. right? But then, like, with, those, with all of these psychological tricks and marketing strategies and so on, we get into social media more as a part of our lives, but not as a tool that we are using anymore. So I don't think you are hypocritical, but I do think that when we think of Facebook or Instagram or of these social media apps as, as something bad, we should also be aware that if we know what we want to do with them, then it can bring a lot of things good for us, right? But the problem there is that people are not really, I think, especially when you're young, you don't really ask those questions to yourself. It's like, why do I need Facebook? You don't, you don't care about it. You just say, yeah, I have a lot of friends there. I want to, to know what they are doing, to like pictures, to follow. I know even a dog. There are like a lot of dog accounts <laughs> yeah. on Instagram. Follow grumpy cat. Yeah. <laughs> but then, right, like you, I think you don't also don't, you don't have the emotional age to ask yourself these questions. Then yeah. I think when you get into social media, the first step should be to have all this information available for you. But if you're young, then they should be like presented to you by your parents or by people who know already about that. But then it comes again another problem. The generation of our parents don't have that information because they, they, they didn't have social media when they were young. So then I think this problem will probably go away over time when our generation will be able to transmit this knowledge to the people that are coming after us, right? I think it's going to be kind of a consequence. Of course, it's not definitely, that. that's not something that's going to happen 100% for sure. But I think that it's a possibility, and I prefer to be optimistic about it, that even if, you know, social media right now is not something that... Um, is bringing probably too many things that are good for young people, they will realize over time because they will know that, yeah, there are other things in life besides social media, right? I don't know. I hope so, John. I feel you you finish with a really optimistic thing and you're a very sound voice in this. I think you're 100% right. I yeah, it's always good speaking to you on these topics. This is when I realize I'm a generally terrible person and I need to take a more middle view on things. And you, you're right. I think it will kind of hopefully solve itself as the generations go on and the digital natives kind of become adults as well. I think that's a really good point. It's been a pleasure. Same, Halima. Um, I hope we have some other interesting conversations next week. And yeah, thank you for sharing your insights about this, because I think it's important to be aware of all the things that you mentioned in this episode. And yeah, I'm also going to consider some of them also in my day. So (laughs) thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you. Speak to you soon. Yes. Bye-bye. Bye.